Hey everybody, Pastor Terry here. I want to welcome you to my midweek Bible study. I'm so glad you've joined me this evening. Last Wednesday evening, I covered a very controversial subject, the subject of homosexuality. And I went into the Word of God and just showed you what the Bible had to say about that subject. Now this evening, I want to look at another very controversial subject, the subject of abortion. And so I just want to show you from the Word of God what what the Bible has to say about this subject. So when we look at abortion, uh, we need to ask ourselves, is abortion just simply the termination of a pregnancy, or is it the taking or the murder of an innocent life? And so I want to look at the Word of God, and I want to show you God's perspective on, on this. Now, uh, we must first ask ourselves the question, when does life begin? When does life begin? Because, you know, to answer our, 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 our premise there of is abortion just the termination of, of a pregnancy or is it the taking or the murder of an innocent life? We have to know when does life begin? And so, uh, to do that, let's go to the book of Psalms, book of Psalms, chapter 139. I'm going to start reading in verse 13, we need to know from God's perspective when life begins. Now, here the, the psalmist is speaking to the Lord in Psalm 139, verse 13. He says, For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. Now, right there, you can see he's talking about his inward parts, the, 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 his, in, his inward parts, and he's being covered in his mother's womb. So he's indicating life right there that he's, he's alive when he's in his mother's womb. And then he says, I will praise you, speaking to God, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And we are fearfully and wonderfully made, aren't we? Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you. He's talking about his body was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. He says, when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. That's talking about inside of his mother's womb. He's saying that my body wasn't hidden from you, from you, Lord, when, when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in my mother's womb. And then verse 16, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Wow. Think about that. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. So, uh, before he was formed and, 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 and fully developed, you know, the nine months had come and gone and he was fully developed in his, in his mother's womb. He's saying God saw his substance. And, and being yet unformed. And so that to me right there is, is just so powerful. That to me tells us unequivocally that at the moment of conception, human life begins. He says, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. So at the moment of, of conception, then, then God, of course, started forming him and, and is 
true with all of us. We're all human beings. And at the moment of conception, God sees our substance and he begins to form us. And then he goes on in verse 16 to say, And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Now think about that. Actually, from God's perspective, he sees us before we were even conceived in our mother's womb. But for the sake of this message, in trying to determine when life begins, as, as we would see it from our human perspective, this these verses from Psalm 139 clearly shows that life begins at the point of conception, and that is when God begins to form that little human being, and, uh, and, and, and this is just very, very powerful. Life begins at the point of conception. I'm going to read, uh, let's just read, kind of meditate these verses again. Verse 13, you formed my inward parts. God formed his inward parts and covered him in his mother's womb. So he's alive in his mother's womb, being formed there from the point of conception. Verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. See, he's alive in secret inside of his mother's womb. He's being skillfully wrought. And it says in the lowest parts of the earth, but it's talking about inside his mother's womb. He's being skillfully wrought or put together right there in his mother's womb. He says, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Think about that substance. See, a lot of people say that the, that substance there at the point of conception isn't alive and, and therefore, you know, uh, uh, you can terminate it whenever you want type thing. And, and that's, of course, abortion. And, uh, but, but that's not, you know, that's not so. It's not just substance. It's not just a blob. It's not just, you know, it, it isn't. It isn't. I mean, down on the very smallest microscopic levels, Right there at the moment of conception, inside the mother's womb, life begins. And, and the psalmist says to God, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Think about that. And, and if that's not enough for you, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 1. And here God is talking to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. And he says this, God says this to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Well, there it is again. So God is the one who forms us in our, in our mother's womb. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. See, God, God knows us before we're ever even conceived. But, but for the point of this, uh, this message, just trying to, de to determine when life begins, begins at conception. But notice this. And he's telling Jeremiah exactly what the psalmist was telling the Lord, what the psalmist knew. God's telling this to Jeremiah. He's saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And notice this, before you were born. See, before you were born, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nation. So God, that word sanctified means to set apart. God set Jeremiah apart before he was even born. You see, from, from the book of Psalms there, when the psalmist was talking about uh, his days fashioned for him and his days were written in the book, you know, uh, well, we see it uh, absolutely the truth here with Jeremiah. God had a plan for his life and his days were writ written in the book of God, you know. Uh, 
before Jeremiah was even born. Okay, so so think about that. So and and then from the rest of what we've said here, from the Word of God, life begins at the point of conception. Okay, no doubt about it. And and God begins to form us at that point and put us all together. And uh, and 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 of course, the nine months later, uh, you know, we're actually born. And and uh, but but you know and. and you know, people would say, well, yeah, you know, once the baby is born, once the baby's born, well, uh, then it's alive. Well, you know, at what point does the spirit enter the, enter the, 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 the body? You know, the Bible says the body without the spirit is dead. And you go back to the Garden of Eden and Adam was laying there lifeless until God breathed into him the breath of life. So of course, you know, the big argument, a lot of times with abortion is when when is when does life actually begin when 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 does the spirit come into the body well from what i what i see here in the bible particularly back with what the psalmist was saying he says your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed i, I, I mean when you put all this together i mean when, when at the moment of conception you've got you've got a little unformed unformed body the spirit goes in right at that time into that in that, that spirit that's issued forth from almighty god goes into that little little uh 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 what people would call a blob but it's a little blob but it isn't from the word of god here it's it, it it's a little human being and and the spirit comes in there uh, uh, and and that little human that little human being from the point of conception begins to grow and of course, then nine months later, you have, you have, have the birth. But it's clear from my study here, <laughs> unequivocally clear, totally clear, completely clear. I don't know how else, I don't know how else to say it, but life begins at the point of conception. And of course, with our present day medical technology, you know, with the ultrasounds and all of that, it, that has just, uh, uh, confirmed what the Bible told us here in Psalm 139 and Jeremiah chapter one. Good medical science has just confirmed because those ultrasounds and things, they can see the little baby moving around, you know, in, 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 inside the mother's womb. It just, uh, I just thought about this that remember John the Baptist when he was in, in Elizabeth's womb. Remember that? And Mary came to see Elizabeth, and the Bible says that that the baby leaped inside Elizabeth's womb. Remember that the baby? What did that mean? Well, what does that mean? Well, the baby moved. You know, the baby moved in there. You know, and so and and women will tell you, you know, they felt the baby kick. Well, that baby's alive in there. And 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 I'm not going to get into all the medical stuff. Just simply that medical science has has proven that. And confirmed is a better word that the Bible is true. That's what good medical science will do is just confirm that the Bible is, is absolutely the truth and accurate, you see. And sometimes science will mess up, but the word of God's totally right. But good science just backs up the word of God. And so you can see from our medical technology that, 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 that little baby is alive inside that mother's womb. And the Bible tells us when the life begins at conception. And uh, so having said all of that, is 
uh, abortion then just the termination of a pregnancy? Or is it murder? And it's very clear, it, it's murder. It's murder. And the sixth commandment says that we should not murder. I mean, I know it says thou shalt not kill, but you get into studying it out in Hebrew, it actually means you shall do no murder. And in short, abortion is murder. Now, I want to read another verse that seldom gets looked at in uh, concerning the subject of abortion. It's in Exodus 21 and verse 22. Exodus 21 and verse 22, and I'm going to read it from the Message Bible because it, I think, best brings brings out, it, 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 it's easiest for us to understand. Certainly, I'd welcome you to read it in other versions, but Exodus 21 verse 22 You'll get the same same rendering. It's just this will make it easier easier for us to understand. Exodus twenty one twenty two says, "When there's a fight, and in the fight a pregnant woman is hit, so it's talking about two men getting a fight, and they're in a fight, and in the midst of that fight a pregnant woman is hit so that she miscarries, so she gets injured and she miscarries. All right, the pregnancy is lost." Uh, she she's hurt in some way or something happens there where these two guys are fighting and uh, something happens. She gets in the middle of it or some somehow or another she gets 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 hit, you know, more than likely in the stomach area where the baby would be, whatever the case. But she miscarries and the pregnancy is lost. So with that in mind, let's read it again. When there's a fight and in the fight, a pregnant woman is hit so that she miscarries but is not otherwise hurt. So in other words, in other words, the baby is lost, but she is not, she's not hurt. You know, she's not, not hurt, but the baby is lost. Now watch this. The one responsible, the one that was responsible for hitting her and causing the miscarriage, the one responsible has to pay whatever the husband demands in compensation. Now think about that. So now, uh, let me read it again. Usually I read it and then explain it. I kind of explained it and then, then read it. <laughs> Let's read it again. When there's a fight and in the fight a pregnant woman is hit so that she miscarries but is not otherwise hurt, the one responsible has to pay whatever the husband demands in compensation for that lost child. What is this verse telling us? It's telling us that God puts great value on an unborn baby's life. And again, this verse doesn't get read very much in conjunction with abortion. And like I said, normally I'll read it and then explain it. I kind of read it, explain it, and then read it. But but anyway, wait, you get the you get the point here that God puts value on an unborn baby's life. I think we ought to read that again. When there's a fight and in the fight a pregnant woman is hit so that she miscarries but is not otherwise hurt. So the woman's not seriously hurt at all. She's not hurt. So it's not otherwise hurt. The one responsible has to pay whatever the husband demands in compensation. For, for compensation for what? For that miscarriage. I'm going to read it again. This is powerful. We need to read this again. When there's a fight... And in the fight, a pregnant woman is hit so that she miscarries, but is not otherwise hurt. The one responsible has to pay whatever the husband demands in compensation. 
So there's a fight. Two men get in a fight. The woman is hit. She's not hurt, but the, but, but the baby is lost. There has to be compensation for that lost life. What the Bible is telling us here is that God places value on an unborn baby's life. Now, you know, so abortion is murder, dear friends. It just is. And, uh, uh, but you know, the, 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 the killing of babies. And I had somebody, uh, one time say to me, they said, you shouldn't say killing of babies. You shouldn't say that. You should, in conjunction with abortion, you shouldn't say, oh, you know, Pastor Terry, you shouldn't say killing of babies. You shouldn't say baby killing. You shouldn't say that. You should word it a different way. Listen, I told that person this. I said, look, I'm not going to flower up murder. I'm not going to be flowery, you know, put a bunch of flowery words and phrases together, you know, to make this sin of murder of unborn babies any less than what it is. It's baby killing, plain and simple. I don't apologize for saying that. It, 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 it just, it is. Abortion is the killing of innocent children. But you know, the killing of innocent children is nothing new to our time. It's known as infanticide, the killing of, of, of babies, uh, and, and, and infants, you know. It's not new to our time. It's, uh, it, it's gone on from ancient times. Uh, in Moses' day, Exodus chapter 1, Verse 15, I'm going to read several verses from the New Living Translation. Listen to this, Exodus 1.15. Just showing you that, um, that, that, that infanticide or the killing of babies, infants, is nothing new to our time. Uh, Exodus uh, chapter 1, verse 15. Uh, then Pharaoh, and this was a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph, Exodus 1.15, then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, and then he gives their names. Verse 16, when you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, so these midwives would help in the labor process, the delivery process of children, and they would help the Hebrew women with their, their uh, through their labor and giving birth. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. That's what the Pharaoh said. If it's a girl, let her live. Think about that. How do you kill a little baby? It's beyond, it's beyond where I can comprehend. Verse 17, but because the midwives feared God, listen to this, they refused to obey the king's orders. Thank God for that. They allowed the boys to live too, to live as well. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. And he says, why have you done this? Why have you allowed the boys to live also? The Hebrew women, then they answered, the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They are more vigorous and uh, and have their babies so quickly that we can't get, uh, get there in time, get there in time and so forth. So, uh, but notice, watch this, verse 20. So God was good to the midwives. Why was he good to them? Why was God good to these midwives? Because they wouldn't kill the little babies. God was good to the midwives 
And the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. I think that needs to be stressed. God was good to the midwives. Why? Because they wouldn't kill the little male babies. And because the midwives feared God, now watch this, And because, verse 21, and because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. See, God blessed them for not killing the little babies. Verse 22, then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Now listen to this. Throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. Now you think about that. Throw the little baby boys into the Nile River so they're going to go in there and drown or get eaten by crocodiles or alligators, whichever. Probably drown. But either one's terrible. Think of that. You know, I personally believe, I personally believe that unless people like this Pharaoh repent, this Pharaoh who gave this order, throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River. Earlier he said to the midwives, kill him. I personally believe that unless people like that repent, that there's, I personally believe there's a special place in hell for those people. I'm not taking that back. That's what I believe. Now, that was a situation in Moses' day. Let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 28. And let's look at this wicked king Ahaz. Second Chronicles, not Corinthians, but Chronicles, Old Testament. Second Chronicles 28, verse 1. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And he did not what was right in the sight of the Lord as his father David had done. For he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and made molded images for the Baals. Those, those false gods. Watch this. He burned incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burned his children in the fire. Oh, Now think about that. Second Chronicles 28, verse 3, he burned incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burned his children in the fire. He would burn them in a sacrificial fire to the false gods. You need to think about that. We all need to think about that. He burned his children in the fire in sacrifice to false gods. According to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. Notice what the Bible did here. It called, it called baby killing an abomination to God. We saw last week that homosexuality, the sin of homosexuality, uh, what was an abomination is an abomination to God. Similarly, abortion is an abomination to God. And he burned his children in the fire according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. Dear friends, God has no use for abortion. He's against it. It's baby killing. And, uh, and people who, uh, do such things, practice such things as, as abortion, God will cast them out. 
But think about what Ahaz did here. He burned his children in the fire according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out. Burned his children in the fire. Terrible. And then we come over to the New Testament. Remember in the days of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ? Remember after uh, he was born, you know, and the wise men, the magi came in and and spoke to Herod. They were looking for the one born, the king of the Jews, and so forth and so on. And and remember, they went to Herod. And uh, but let's read Matthew chapter two, verse sixteen. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death because the wise men were supposed to come back and give report to Herod and. They went home another way. You know, they, they went back another way. Uh, and uh, and Herod was upset about that. And he was angry and he sent forth. Now watch this, Matthew 2.16. He sent forth to put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and, and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So infanticide, death of infants. Uh, here it was a male children, two years of age and under. How you can give such an order as, as Herod did is beyond where I can comprehend. And how those soldiers could go carry that out to these innocents, killing these innocents, is is beyond what I can comprehend. Um, I'll say it again. Like Herod, giving such a command to kill little, little children, unless such a one were to repent, I personally believe there's a, there's a special place in hell for such people. So I wanted to show you that uh, infanticide or killing of, 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 of children, babies, children, is nothing new to, to our day. Um, we just do it a little differently than they did it. Uh, there, in Moses' day, they'd throw the little, the little boys into the, uh, in, in, into the, into the river. To be, to drown or get eaten by the alligators or the crocodiles. Ahaz, he'd, he'd burn his children in the fire. Here, Herod had, uh, had the, uh, soldiers go in there and, and, uh, with the sword kill the little children. Now we don't do it that way. I suppose we're more sophisticated here in the United States. We, we we have clinics and things of, of that that nature where women can go in and and uh, and and it's done inside the mother's womb. It's done inside the mother's womb, and uh, uh, they use their instruments and go in there and and I don't know all how they do it, but I, I heard one way that they do it is they take some sort of a vacuum and suck the little baby's brain out of its head inside the mother's womb. And I'm, I suppose there's other things they do. 
we're just more medically sophisticated than in, in, in our baby killing here in the United States than they were in ancient times. But it's baby killing nonetheless. And again, I'm not going to flower that up. It's baby killing nonetheless. And uh, whether you do it through drowning or a crocodile or a fire or a sword or a vacuum, whether it's in days gone by or in me using medical technology, however, however it's done, it's still baby killing. And it's, uh, it's a tragic thing. I, I remember one person telling the story where this lady walked into a abortion clinic and she had a, uh, a four-year-old child with her and she was pregnant with another and it was a couple of months along. I don't know how far along it was, but, but she went into the abortion clinic to have the, you know, to have an abortion. And, uh, and the doctor came out and said to her, he said, uh, he said, I tell you what, rather than going in and you getting on that table and us aborting the, uh, uh, aborting the fetus in your womb, he said, let me just, uh, let me just take this four year old of yours and I'll go in the back and slit its throat. And she went, Oh, what? What did you say? What did you say? He said, yeah, let me just take your four year old and go slit its throat. Uh, it'd be a lot safer for you uh, uh, to, to, do, to, to do it that way than, to, than, than to, to take the one that's in your mother's womb. That way your life wouldn't be at risk at all. So let me just take your four-year-old and I'll, I'll take it out back, take it in the back room, slit its throat. And then, and then you, you know, you can go on, uh, you know, as you are, because it's just going to, she said, why would you do that? Why would you, why would you? Now listen, she said, why would you kill my little four-year-old? Why would you kill my little four-year-old? He said, well, look, he said, it's, you know, either way, he said, you know, it's just going to be a lot safer if I do your four-year-old as opposed to the one that's in your womb. It's just safer for you. And she was just, oh my gosh, you, you're not going to kill my baby. You're not going to kill my four-year-old. Why wouldn't she feel that way about the little baby in her womb? I shared that story to make a make a very, very uh, powerful point. The little baby that was in her womb was just as much alive, just as much viable, just as much seen by God as a human being as the four-year-old. Now, neither one of them should have been put to death. Okay, you understand. Neither one of them should have been, but I shared that story to make a point. And the point is, you know, whether four years old, three years old, two years old, five years old, one year old, or, or, or one, one day after conception, one second after conception, one half, one millisecond after conception, anywhere, once conception is there, you know, whether, whether it's, it's two weeks in the womb or six months in the womb or eight months in the womb or, or eight months and a half in the womb, huh? Are, are, are born or, one year old, two years, three years, they're all human beings. And this partial birth 
abortion. You talk about something right out of the, I mean, out of hell itself. Let, as I understand it, a partial birth abortion where the baby, uh, part of the body of the baby is left inside the mother's womb and then the brain is sucked out of its out of its, 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 its skull. And because part of the baby's, maybe the baby's foot is still in the, or half the baby's body is still in the mother's womb. Uh, you know, it's considered legal. My God, help us. God help us. Terrible. And that, that stuff goes on here in the United States. And millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of babies have been slaughtered in their mother's wombs here in the United States. I'll say more about that in just a moment. But let me say some other things before I conclude. Listen, listen here. I believe in a woman's right to choose what she does with her own body. Except, except when it comes to the baby inside her womb. That baby is a human life and must be treated as such. I'm going to say that again. I believe in a woman's right to choose what she does with her own body. See, they, they, they use a woman's right to choose. They use that to mask baby killing. Woman's right to choose. You need to be aware of that. That's used to mask baby killing. I believe in a woman's right to choose what she does with her own body. I believe that. Except, there's there's an exception. When it comes to the baby inside her womb, that baby is a human life and must be treated as such. Okay? Now, I want to read an article that I got from gotquestions.org. It's an excellent website, Got questions.org. You can go to your computer and Google it and they, they answer a lot of Bible, I mean, Bible questions, questions that people would have about the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It's just a whole of the Bible. They, there, it's an excellent website. Now, I may not agree with everything you might find on there, but most of it I do agree with. It's, it's, it's good and sound in line with the Bible. Again, not, not all of it, uh, but, uh, uh, but but most of what they put out is, is real sound and solid. Again, I don't don't agree with all of it, uh, but, but that they put out. There's some things I think pertaining to the to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Some of that that I would disagree with them on. But uh, uh, but but much of what they put out is very sound. And and I, I have an article here from g o t q u e s t i o n s dot org gotquestions.org. It's on abortion. And rather than, I, I just thought rather than me trying to put all this in my own words, if I read this to you, it pretty well brings forth my thoughts on, 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 uh, on this subject. And I want you to listen to it and, and, and just listen. Cause it'll, it'll answer some things and deal with some, some other controversial things in, in a good way. Listen. The first argument that always arises against the Bible stance on abortion is, what about cases of rape and or incest? As horrible as it would be to become pregnant as a result of rape and or incest is the murder of a, is the murder of the ba of a baby the answer? Let me read that again. 
The first argument that always arises against the Bible's stance on abortion is, what about cases of rape and or incest? As horrible as it would be to become pregnant as a result of rape and or incest, is the murder of a baby the answer? Two wrongs do not make a right. The child who is a result of rape and or incest could be given in adoption to a loving family unable to have children on their own. Again, the baby is completely innocent and should not be punished for the evil acts of its father. I know that's controversial. I've thought about that one over the years, but but this seems to be a, a, a sound position on that subject. Now listen to this. The second argument that usually arises out of the uh, Bible stance on abortion is, <clears throat> what about when the life of the mother is at risk? Honestly, this is the most difficult question to answer on the issue of abortion. First, let's remember that this situation is the reason behind less than one-tenth of one percent of the abortions done in the world today. Second, let's remember that God is a God of miracles. He can preserve the life of a mother and her child despite all the medical odds uh, being against it. Third, even in the one-tenth of one percent of abortions that are done to save the life of the mother, in the vast majority of these cases, an early induced delivery of the baby or a C-section, cesarean section, is what it, is what is necessary, not an abortion. This early inducement may result in the death of the baby, but it is extremely rare that a baby must be actively aborted in order to save the life of the mother. Some doctors say that abortion is never medically necessary to save the life of the mother. Ultimately, though, if the life of the mother is genuinely genuinely at risk, a decision like this can only be, be decided between a woman, her doctor, oftentimes the father of the child, and God. Any woman, any, any woman facing this extremely difficult situation should pray to the Lord for wisdom as to what he would have her to do. I, I, I think that seems to be very sound, what I just read there. Seems to be very sound. Over 98% of the abortions performed today involve women who simply do not want to have the baby. Less than 2% of abortions are for the reasons of rape, incest, or the mother's life being at risk. Even in these more difficult 2% of instances, abortion should never be the first option. The life of a human being in the womb is worth every effort to allow the child to be born. Very, very sound, sound thoughts there, I think. Now listen to this. It's very important. Now listen. For those who have had an abortion, remember, and listen, if you're out there and you're listening to me and you've had an abortion, I, I, I don't have... I don't have any condemnation for you. Just like Jesus told that woman taken in adultery, we covered it last week. He said, neither do I condemn you. But then he said, go and sin no more. So for those who have had an abortion, remember that the sin of abortion is no less forgivable than any other sin. Through faith in, in Jesus Christ, you know, repentance and faith in Christ and our confession of our sins all sins can be forgiven. A woman who has had an abortion, a man who has encouraged an abortion, or even a doctor who has performed an abortion 
can all be forgiven by repentance, confession of the sin and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, if you're out there and you've had an abortion or, you know, or you've been a father that's encouraged the abortion or even a doctor that's committed, you know, performed abortions, you can repent and, and, and ask the Lord to forgive you and, and, and he will. And, uh, and then don't do it anymore. Don't do it anymore. And let me say this. Children who die in miscarriage are in abortion are with the Lord. I want to say that again. Children who die in miscarriage. Maybe you're out there today and you've had a miscarriage. Maybe you're out there today and you've had an abortion. I want to tell you right now. The spirit of your little baby went to be with the Lord. Went to be with the Lord. Whether they were water baptized, christened, or dedicated, or whatever, they went to be with the Lord. Okay? Let's take it from me. Children who die in miscarriage or abortion, their spirits went to be with the Lord. And I want to remind you what David said when his uh, little baby, who had just been born, died. And he was very, very upset. But he made this statement about the little baby who, who died and his spirit went on to be with the Lord. He said this. Here's what David said. I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. What was David saying? David was saying that his little baby spirit went to be with the Lord. And one day David would die and his spirit would go be with the Lord and he'd be with that child also. The child was gone, it, you know, was dead. The, the, the spirit, his body was dead. His spirit went to be with the Lord. And, and so his spirit couldn't come back. But David would one day die and then at that time go on to be with the Lord and then would see his child that he lost here that we're talking about. And so if you've had an abortion or if you've had a miscarriage, I want to encourage you that... Uh, uh, you know, your child is with the Lord. And if you're born again, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you'll get to see that child one day. And uh, though it was though it was a sad time through the through the miscarriage and your heart's broken, you lost a child. Very sad. But I tell you what, if you know Jesus, if you've received him as your Savior, one day. You're going to get to see that little baby and it'll be a great time of rejoicing. And again, I want to say this. If you're out there and you've, 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 I just want to reiterate this. If you've, you've had an abortion, I'm not here beating you over the head. I'm here with love and compassion saying, you know, hey, what you did was wrong, but, but I don't condemn you. You know, hey, God doesn't condemn you. He, hey, don't do it anymore. Okay. And, and repent and ask the Lord to forgive you, and he will, okay? And you'll get to see that child again one day if you know the Lord is your Savior. Now, I want to conclude by saying this. I had said earlier in this in this uh, lesson, you know, that uh, baby killing has gone on from ancient times even to the present. And uh, And I had said that, you know, 
here in the United States, we're just more sophisticated, quote unquote, than they were in ancient times with our medical advancements and whatnot, but it's still baby killing nonetheless. And, uh, you know, I just have a, a word of warning for the United States. And this is not the first time I've warned the United States, but uh, uh, the Spirit of God has had me warn in the United States again and again for years. And he's had other good ministers warning the United States again and again for years uh, about this sin of abortion. And, uh, uh, you know, Jeremiah uh, had, had a word for Israel I'm going to read Jeremiah 19, verse 4. Jeremiah 19, verse 4, New Living Translation. It says, For Israel has forsaken me. And you know the United States, by and large, not everybody. There's a lot of good Christian people that love the Lord. But the United States as a whole has forsaken the Lord. For Israel has forsaken me. And, and actually, I believe it's the, the good Christians that love the Lord that's keeping the judgment completely from falling on this nation right now, even as I speak. But notice verse 4, For Israel has forsaken me and turned this valley into a place of wickedness. The people burn incense to foreign gods, idols never before acknowledged by this generation, uh, by their ancestors, or by the kings of Judah. Now listen to this. And they have filled this place with the blood of innocent children. They fill this place with the blood of innocent children. Think about that. Baby killing. And they fill that place with the blood of innocent children. And then Jeremiah had a jar, a pot, and he broke it. And he warned the nation that if they didn't repent, the nation would be like that jar. And uh, I'd said some things about this a couple of weeks ago after Jonathan Kahn, who's a man of God, a prophet of God, broke that jar in the capital of the United States, Washington, D.C., and I want to just close this close this lesson by saying this, that if the United States does not repent of the sin of abortion, along with other sins I could mention, but just for the sake of this lesson, if the United States does not repent for the sin of abortion, listen, Roe versus Wade has got to be overturned. Abortion must not be the law of the land of the United States. And unless that's overturned, unless abortion is outlawed in this land, just as Jeremiah broke that pot warning, warning Judah of, it, of, the, of, of the judgment of God falling on it, if the United States doesn't repent, the judgment of God is going to fall on it. And it's not going to be pleasant. It's not going to be good. Hey, God does not judge the righteous with the wicked. He'll protect the righteous. He, he will. He has a way of doing that. And how he's going to do that, I don't know. But if the United States does not repent, then uh, the sin of abortion, the judgment of God is going to fall on it. And you can see God in his great mercy. He's, he's doing all, all he can to get, to get this, this justice, you know, on this court to get this thing, this Roe versus Wade turned back. Uh, and it needs to be turned back. I'm going to say it again. Abortion must not be the law of any land and certainly not the law of the land of the United States. And if the if this United States does not repent of this sin, the judgment of God is going to fall on it in a mighty and an awesome and a terrible way. Okay? So, well, there I've shared with you my heart on the subject of abortion and uh, a very controversial subject, very serious subject. And uh, I trust that I brought it forth with as much love as I have in my heart to, to do it with. So, uh, so, hey, I love you. 
Uh, I care about you all, and uh, and God loves you. And it's just an honor to be able to come to you and teach you the Word of God. So, hey, listen, uh, thanks for being with me here this evening, and I will see you next time. Okay, God bless you. Bye-bye.